Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app. Yes, we are recording and posting on Sunday evening. For multiple reasons, including, seems like you guys like that. Seems like you guys like when we do the Sunday evening post. I could not be more fired up about tonight's guest. His name is Joe Banner, former team president with the Philadelphia Eagles, with the Cleveland Browns. Look, I think he's one of the two or three smartest guys in football and has been since 1996. He knows how I feel about him. Uh, The proof is in the pudding with what he did in Philadelphia I highly encourage you to follow him on Twitter. I think it's Joe Banner 13. I got to look that up again. Joe Banner for sure. But Joe Banner, yeah, Joe Banner 13. Joe will join us momentarily. You guys know the deal. It's a new week, which means we have a new spread the word winner via social media at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. Just do anything. I don't even care. Retweet, like, love, reply, quote, tweet. Just do something. Sand, foam, something, anything. Uh, Sponsor confirmation email winner. You guys know we need the sponsors. We love the sponsors. I'm telling you about Raycon earbuds today. They are the best earbuds. Get Raycon earbuds for your mom for Mother's Day. She doesn't even know she needs them. That's how much she needs Raycon earbuds while she's listening to stuff. And then the YouTube shout out later on the week as well. Patron of the day, Drew Hoffman. Love when we get new patrons. Patreon.com slash RT Media. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, so he has been on the show before. I already told you the deal. He's Joe Banner, at Joe Banner 13 on social media if you want to follow. Very interesting follow. Very interesting. Joe tweets about some stuff. I've got no idea what he's talking about in the Middle East and stuff, but that's Yo, I hope you know what you're talking about with the stuff in the Middle East because you are my only source of information for anything going on in Israel. So if you're wrong, I am totally, I am totally, I'm totally wrong on what's going on there. But here's the deal. I know I've had you on before, and I know I've told the story before. I grew up in Reading, an hour west of Philly. I grew up a huge Eagles fan, and, and people just don't know – what the organization was like before Jeffrey Lurie 
the new owner came in and, and had Joe as his president and what it's like since. Even though they had had some on-field success with Buddy Ryan and Ray Rhodes or whatever, or, or even before that, the reality is it, it was not a top half of the league organization. It just wasn't. You know, the stadium, the facility, everything. Now, even though they had a down year, I think when you really look at all every aspect of a professional football franchise, I think it's a top five franchise, Joe. And that really started with what you guys did, turning it around in the late 90s. Well, first of all, I appreciate the uh, kind words, hopefully all deserved, and, uh, and your support over the years. And, and watching from when you started in this business, is, it's amazing to watch what you've done. So uh, I agree with you. I mean, they had a bad season. It's very... <laughs> counterintuitive to be saying things about a franchise like that. But, um, you know, you, you watch what they do in trades and cap deals. The last couple of drafts, I think they'd admit, haven't been as strong as they'd like. But they're still leading the league in things they're thinking of and the way they're doing things that uh, give you an advantage in building the team and that you can watch other teams following their contracts and copying some of the things that they're doing. Um, and they've just got a sharp organization. You've got an owner, and I can tell you this firsthand, the only thing he cares about is winning, making money, all the other stuff that, that uh, some owners are characterized as prioritizing. It's not even on his radar. He just wants to hold the trophy as many times as possible. Um, so that gives you a huge advantage in working in an organization like that. How many teams do you think are like that, Joe? Well, I, honestly, I think more than people realize, but it should be 100%, and I'm not really sure it is. I mean, you know, some of the... People get in the business for different reasons. Um, some are satisfied to just have competitive teams. And then there's a cluster, the Eagles in, un, arguably are in this, where success is measured by trying to win Super Bowls. They're not trying to be competitive. They're not trying to just keep the seats filled. They're not trying to just fill the next sponsorship. They like to be good at all those things. If you're in business, they want to be good at charity, at business, at football, everything they do. That was part of the culture of the organization. Um, but the number of teams where it's either we win a Super Bowl or we failed is is uh, pretty modest. Uh, and they're absolutely in that school. Good, pretty good years are not good enough. Well, we just saw them fire a coach three years after winning the Super Bowl and then back-to-back -back division titles. So you could argue whether that's right or wrong, but you can't argue what it says about what they're uh, where they're setting the bar and what they're really about. What did you think about that, Joe? With, uh, you know, it, it's almost – Incredible to believe that neither Peterson nor Wentz are there. Yeah, that's that's the way to say it. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in in uh, in sports. Either front, by the way, um, you know, Doug fell out of grace both publicly and apparently privately. While while things appeared to still be going at least reasonably well, um, you know, Wentz completely fell apart. It will be fascinating to watch what happens next and kind of look back and analyze. What were the true causes and effects? Uh, I do think he's in a situation now where he has no excuses. He's either going to be successful or he's going to have to own it. You know, the situation with the Eagles and the injuries, some deterioration on the offensive line in particular. You know, you could argue, you know, what's the cause and effect? He's now in a situation where he's got one of the smarter offensive head coaches. He's got an outstanding offensive line. He's going to have some weapons. He's got a really good young running back. He's got a good defense. You know, it's really on him. But I, don't, I can't imagine there's even one person at the end of 2017, if you said three years from now, Wentz and Doug Peterson will no longer work for this team, that would have even thought that was a possibility. Uh, and you know what happened? A combination of a lot of things came together, but 
that's where we find ourselves today. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is you have had some really interesting tweets about the trade activity this offseason. And I, I love reading what you say about the trades. I wanted to get you to talk about it here on the show. I want to start with the Niners and Dolphins trade with the three first-round picks for the number three overall pick. I'm not going to steer you in a direction, Joe. Just your thoughts on the trade from both the Niners and Dolphins' perspective. I mean, Dolphins, it seems like a home run, but from the Niners' perspective, I guess. Yeah, I mean, listen, Dolphins is easy. It's a home run. They get three number one picks in addition to what they have. They're at a place in time where that's an incredibly valuable asset and exactly what they should be accumulating. Um, it reflects a belief in Tua that we haven't seen proven on the field. You know, my own view on Tua when he came out was his injury history scared the hell out of me. I probably wouldn't have picked him. But if I was just evaluating the football tape, I actually thought it was excellent. So, you know, we'll see if he could stay healthy and whether that was actually the right um you know, evaluation there. So I don't think there's any, any doubt that that was outstanding. Now, they turned around in my mind, you got to realize something. This really started with Jimmy Johnson. I'd love to take credit for it because we really used it a lot at the Eagles and maybe got it more visible, but it really started with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy did an incredible study of the difference in success rates in the draft from the best teams in the NFL to the worst. And what was really shocking was, was actually just a few percentage points. Uh, and in football, that's enough to matter. You know, if you're completing 66% of your pass versus 68, that's actually enough to matter. You shouldn't think, oh, that's like 2% is too small. But when you realize that the difference between the top graders, Hall of Fame graders in the NFL and guys that are just pretty good is only a couple of percentage points, he immediately realized the real advantage then is in accumulating a larger number of picks. So if I'm competing with teams that have seven or eight picks every year and I have 10 or 11, and we're both hitting at about the same number of picks, I'm automatically gaining ground on them every single time I draft. So that was, you know, we, we heard about that. We observed it early on. Jeff and I actually had a chance to talk to Jimmy Johnson about it. We just considered it irrefutable. I mean, to some people, that was kind of a progressive thought. They weren't really buying it. We just considered it, you know, how, how can you even argue with that? You know, it's so obvious. So to move up six places in the first round and use up an extra number one pick, um, you know, to me, that's that's a huge payment um, at a minimum, an overpayment. I mean, what are you going to get the best of three or four offensive skill positions that we know from history? No matter how smart you are, no matter how sure you are, you can't be sure you're right about any draft pick. I don't care who it is. We've all learned that lesson. As I said, you look at the first round, 50 percent of Hall of Fame general managers, uh, Hall of Fame general managers are hitting on only about 50 percent of their first round picks. So to trade around a first-round pick to just be in a better position in the first round, um, you know, to me that seemed like uh, they deducted a little bit from the huge win they had uh, in Miami. The second part of it, just to be real quick, is they believe they're right about Tua, and they should believe in that, and they should act with conviction about it. But they partially traded away their insurance policy in case he turns out not to be good, and they need to get another quarterback having those extra ones, which is, by the way, part of the reason the Eagles did make this trade. In case Hertz is not who they think he is, what they like to do is have enough ammunition to go get another quarterback. So I think that was very smart of the Eagles to anticipate that possibility, not be so arrogant that they're sure that they're right. And on the other hand, for me to trade up for, maybe it'll be a corner, maybe it'll be one of those weapons, 
uh, a first-round draft pick like that that has a chance to be reasonably high, uh, I wouldn't have made the second move. Doesn't it feel like, Joe, they felt like they were playing with house money or it's like because they did those trades concurrently, I think they looked at it like, well, we just got these three first-round picks. We really want to get Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or Sewell, whoever whoever they want to get at six, right? Yeah. We can we can trade one of them to go back up there. Whereas I, I I would submit to you, and it sounds like you're on the same page. You have to look at every transaction as a totally distinct and separate business decision. I feel like they tied those two together, and they made a mistake in the valuation as a result. We're 100% in agreement. Remember, it's the Dolphins not too long ago that traded a one and a two to go from 12 to three. And they used it to pick a defensive end who ended up being a bust. So they used a first and a second round pick to get a player that would be a bust. To me, the picking of the player is a separate thing. That's how good an evaluator you are. The trade is, are you getting fair value, which hopefully then you use wisely. And, and that's where, you know, I think it's very hard to justify moving up six spots at that point in the draft. And by the way, they improved a lot last year, but they still, they're on the right track. And I'm actually a big fan of the coach. But they have enough of a ways to go that giving up those kind of assets at this point to me, you know, is not what I would, I'd be doing. If anything, even with all the assets I have, and you said it perfectly, by the way, we had a rule in Philadelphia. There were two ways to exploit the market. One was teams that have a lot of picks tend to undervalue them. So it's easier to make a trade with them. Exactly what you just said. Miami may have done in this situation. Um, so, you know, you got to be very, very careful and never losing sight of what the value is and then, you know, cheapening something just because you have a lot of it. You'll, you'll always need more cap room. Um, you know, it's not too long ago, by the way, the 49ers were a team with over $100 million in cap room. The new coach came in. Everybody was like, oh, my God, and they were spending money on some things that seemed short-term. And everybody was like, they got $100 million in cap room. They're never going to run out of cap room. Well, you know, here they are. They have built a very good team. They use the cap room well, but now they could use some of that money now to keep the team together. So don't undervalue your assets. Treat each one as an independent transaction, exactly as you said. So you said two ways to exploit the markets. One was teams that have a lot of picks tend to undervalue them. What's yeah. the other one? The second one is new head coaches. Sometimes because they don't like somebody, they don't think they fit, will cut players that are actually quality, you know, they're not going to be Pro Bowl guys, but they're guys that can help other rosters. So when you see a new coach come in, he's going to reevaluate who he thinks fits, who fits his scheme, who fits his personality, who fits his culture. And if you look at this, you'll see that sometimes uh, coaches have made the mistake of cutting somebody, at least in the sense that it turned out to be somebody that, you know, could be quite good in other teams. I mean, we just, the biggest example of this currently is Tannehill. I mean, he goes into Miami, they're looking for a quarterback at the same time that they're letting him go, partially because they worried about his health and partially because uh, they just didn't feel he was the guy for them. Well, turns out he's a very good quality starting quarterback uh, and they didn't get a whole lot for him. So you will almost always see a new coach come in and for whatever reason make some mistakes in the cuts of players that he inherited that he may not think fit exactly what he does. You know what's funny, Joe, is in 2 I started the last seven games for the Cowboys and graded out the highest in six of the seven, whatever. And then Parcells came in in 03. And 
we he cut me after the first mini camp week. I, I was like floored, but he was looking to make changes. And he, yeah. I, it's funny, I dislocated these two fingers the first day, and then Leroy Glover was just killing me and whatever. But we didn't have shoulder pads on. You know what I mean? It was just helmets. Parcells cut me, ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. I went to Buffalo. I started 19 games over the next two years. I got a contract extension from Tom Donahoe, and it was great. I was on the USA Today All Joe team. If Parcells had waited till the end of camp, it might have been harder for me to get picked up. So, A, the timing of it was great. He cut me in like June or May or whatever. The timing of it was great, but that's a good example of what you're talking about. And he was in a hurry to turn over the roster. He was in a hurry to change things. And, I mean, I was at worst like a good backup inside swing guy, you know? Yeah. And we see this. Like, I remember Andy Reid's first year. I mean, Andy Reid is not a um, um, hard disciplinarian type of head coach, although he has a certain set of rules, and you better make sure you're living by them. But he is not a guy with a million rules trying to keep his thumb on everybody. But if you watched Andy Reid the first year when he was in Philadelphia, you would have thought you were looking at one real hell of a hard-ass coach. But he was just trying to set a new tone and establish what was going to be expected and what was going to be tolerated. And so for the first year, he felt he had to be that guy. And in the 20 years since then, nobody's ever seen that guy again. So it does create an opportunity, like your situation, create an opportunity for Buffalo. Tennessee has a starting quarterback now that they love and they're paying a lot of money to. And if you watch coach changes, you'll see just one of two of those situations come out of almost every one of those teams. So I think, Joe, that you and I are both fans of Kyle Shanahan. I know you hired him when you were in Cleveland as the OC. I'm a little conflicted on the three first-round picks. You know, he does such a good job with the quarterbacks he works with. It It seems like, especially if they go Mac Jones, by the way, it, it, it seems like a lot to give up to, for a guy like Kyle Shanahan who has a track record of doing a pretty good job with other quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I agree on both fronts, by the way. If you, if you said to me you can pick any coach in the league and your goal is to maximize what you get out of your quarterback, who would you pick? I would pick Kyle Shanahan. That's no insult to anybody. There's a lot of other really good guys that would be in the conversation. But I had a chance to work a little bit with, in Cleveland with Kyle uh, when I was consulting with Atlanta, and they hired Dan Quinn. It certainly wasn't because of me, but I recommended him. He was certainly on their list and somebody they were serious about, somebody Dan had on his list. So I, I don't mean to say that like they hired him because of me, but I, I knew him and certainly uh, recommended him. And he, he actually takes pride in the fact that he thinks he can uh, – he doesn't need, you know, Peyton Manning to have a really, really good offense. So – I was surprised they made the move on both fronts. One, that they put so much emphasis on, on getting a new quarterback. Uh, they were going all the way up there. And then, you know, same thing. I mean, they at least paid maximum value. I mean, we had teams trade up to one or two uh, back to the Goff and Wentz years uh, who didn't give up any more for players that seemed to be more sure things. And you were getting your choice of who you wanted as opposed to now you're going to get, you know, the third person uh, that's left, who may not even be the consensus third person. He may just be your third person for three ones. You know, that's a lot. You know, that's you know, Herschel Walker was three ones plus some twos. I and mean, we think that's one of the biggest trades in the history of the game. So this is a very aggressive move. I remember, though, people should factor into the value received, the cap dollars saved. 
So they did give up three ones, but they gained approximately $25 million in cap room over the next three years. Now, just think about that. That will buy you the best pass rusher in the NFL or a couple of really good tight ends or a couple of really good linebackers or a star corner and a couple of leftover things. So when you think about what San Francisco get, uh, San Francisco got, you should think of the quarterback and the cap relief, which can then be put into other assets. I still think they overpaid, but it's the fair way to look at the whole trade. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the cap room they get by giving up those first round picks. That's interesting. All right. Um, I got to ask you about Deshaun Watson in the sense that let's say you were running a team. Let's say uh, Carolina is a little bit different now. They traded for Darnold, but one of these teams that would reasonably be expected to have an interest in him. What are you doing right now? If anything, are you just monitoring the situation are you doing your own investigation? Are you still reaching out to the Texans and maybe trying to get value from a guy like that, that maybe they're willing to trade him for less because of what's going on? Or is it just nothing we can do until this is resolved? Well, I think the aggressive teams are doing the first part of what you said. And it starts with the league. Because remember, he can be put on the commission exemplist at any moment. It won't necessarily matter whether how long uh, far into the investigation we are. It won't necessarily matter how much has been actually proven versus accused. Um, uh, and you're in a position where the league should be reasonably transparent. Now, they're not going to tell you everything they know, but transparent on like, here's our criteria. Here's when and why we intend to make a decision on this, or here's how much time we intend to take before making a decision. So you can fill that blank in relatively easily. You really can't do much of an investigation without permission from the Texans. Remember, he's under contract to them. You can't talk about him. You can't talk to him. You can't call his agent. Uh, you can't even really get the details other than what's public on the investigation at the moment. So that would be a big problem. Now, there could easily be somebody out there who's like, you know, listen, I've, I'm somebody who's used to finding value. And this may be, I may have just stumbled into, you know, incredible value opportunities. So... If Houston's really willing to trade him, which I just want to say clearly would be a massive mistake in my opinion, but let's just say they're willing to trade him uh, and they were willing to take an offer that included some contingencies. Like maybe say, I'll give you a one and a two. If he's never suspended or put in the commissioner list, I owe you another one or another one and a two, or I know you're this player, whatever it is, you have to negotiate all that. But I don't think you can walk in and think in terms either as the Texans or a team interested in the type of compensation that uh, I think should have been discussed prior to this if you were going to move him. But it would still be very significant, but you put some contingencies in it so you weren't fully exposed to all these things you don't know and can't fully qualify. You can inform yourself, but you can't fully fill in all the blanks at this point. Joe, that was 20 minutes already. I, I could talk to you forever. Um, I could talk to you about Darnold and a million different things, but it's funny. I take notes about things I think are interesting while we're talking so I can post on social media. I got like 12 notes. I don't, my, my intern's going to kill me when I tell her which things to cut up. Um, awesome job. Really, really appreciate the time on a Sunday night. You coming on the show um, I loved uh, so many things you said. I mean, the whole thing about taking into account the cap room for San Francisco, or even I first person I heard talk about a trade with the Texans, but putting the contingencies on in case he does go on a commissioner's exempt or suspended. 
Awesome stuff. Check out Joe on Twitter at JoeBanner13. Thank you so much, Joe. My pleasure. Always great talking to you. Joe Banner. I'm telling you, that guy is sharp. He is sharp. You know what else is sharp? Raycon earbuds. They look awesome. They feel awesome. Most importantly, they sound awesome. They come in a range of stylish colors, but always with that comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look, which I like. They got enough battery life for six hours of playing time. Unplug for a while. Why not? Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. All their products, by the way. Just go to buyraycon.com slash Tucker. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. I always get a spare of everything. I always get an extra of everything. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Tucker. Buyraycon.com slash Tucker. Tucks takes. Hey, Ross. Well, let's start today. Uh... Not so much news, so it's kind of a slow news weekend. But a couple of things that stood out. Wide receiver Taylor Gabriel retiring after six years in the league. By the way, Brian, I'm finishing people watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I'm finishing the beer I didn't finish during the happy hour with the Tuckheads. Our our patrons on the private Slack channel, patreon.com slash RT Media. And yes, there's some ice in it because I had to bring warm beer to the hotel I'm in right now, but Anyway, um, yeah, I'm finishing up the beer. What did you say? I wasn't listening. Taylor Gabriel, retiring after six years. So I, I guess the thing that jumps out to me about that, I don't know if this is selfish or what, but like he had a really nice career. People know who he was, and I played a year longer. I don't know. makes me feel a tiny, incy bit cooler. Um, I think it's a weird time to retire. Right? I think he should have waited. Uh, well, look, anybody can retire whenever they want. But if you retire in mid-April, it's usually because you didn't get signed yet. But there's a lot that can happen. People always want that speed deep threat. You can easily still have gotten signed during training camp if you still wanted to play. Tucks takes. A couple other moves. Some DBs going back to some familiar places. Demarius Randall goes back to Seattle. Carl Joseph back to the Raiders. So what's interesting about Randall, first of all, something there's an issue with Randall. He comes out of a lot of games. He's bounced around a bunch of teams now. What's interesting is that Seattle lost Shaq Griffin, and they're bringing Randall back to play corner, which is what he was originally drafted in the first round for. So he's going to be playing corner. Carl Joseph, drafted by the Raiders, of course, was there for four years, hopped over to the Browns for one. Now, boom, he is back with the Raiders. Who knows? I mean, who knows, man? I will say this before we get to an email question, because I'm fired up. It feels like it's been a while since we got to an email question. Um, DraftKings has another ridiculous offer, by the way, Brian. 100 to 1 odds on a guy from your team making the three-pointer. Like, are you kidding? Use the code Ross, DraftKings Sportsbook. Pick any NBA team. They're going to make a three in the game. 100 to 1 odds. Boom. Go for it. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address, ross at rostucker.com. I think you guys know you take advantage of any sponsor ever and then send it to me. You can ask me any question you like, which I love. 
You know, we got to have another. Uh, the happy hour was great tonight, Bri. We need to have another uh, football feedback soon. So anybody that takes advantage of any sponsor this week, especially keeps the color in your bald spot like I'm doing. Keep it in there. Uh, I'm not coloring in, but keep it. Keep the hair you got. Especially keeps. But we'll probably do a football feedback next week, the week before the draft week. Um, so let's do it. Take advantage of any sponsors this week, especially keeps, and you'll get an invite to our next YouTube-only football feedback show, which I love, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. What do you got, Brian? Hey, Ross. Once again, your podcast introduced me to an intriguing product that I decided to buy. Looking forward to receiving these Raycon earbuds that I just purchased. My question for you, and that Andrew Brandt may cover at some point, either one of you, in the current CBA, what determines when a player is an exclusive rights free agent, a restricted free agent, or an unrestricted free agent at the end of their original NFL deals? At the NFL deals, if chosen as this week's winner, love a sign, press pass from a 2020 NFL game. I am a Vikings fan. You have any one of those? That would be awesome. Uh, P.S. I was previously selected as a sponsor confirmation winner when I switched over to native deodorant. I mentioned at the time I had a melanoma, which prompted the change from the traditional antiperspirant. And your words of encouragement in that email response were and are much appreciated. That is from Nick in Jameson, Pennsylvania. That's awesome, Nick. That's awesome. I love it. And Nick was the uh, sponsor confirmation email winner last week. So, Nick, I will be sending you a press pass I don't know if I have any Vikings ones, but I'll be sending you a press pass. Good question. Love it. Um, Okay. So a restricted free agent is someone that has three years of service and his contract expires. That now only happens with undrafted players because every draft pick gets a four-year deal. So none of the drafted guys will ever be restricted free agents unless they get cut and then sign a one-year deal somewhere else. But I don't want to confuse things. Basically, a lot of times undrafted guys sign two-year deals. Okay? At the end of the second year, they are an exclusive rights free agent which means they've got no rights. It's a stupid term. They they shouldn't even have it, but they've played two years and their contract expired. They're not a restricted free agent yet. You got to play three years. They're not unrestricted yet. You got to play four years and have your contract expire. So they become an exclusive rights free agent, restricted after three, unrestricted four or more. That's the answer to your question. Good question. Love it. Almost as much. You know what I love, Bri? I loved meeting one of our new patrons tonight, Travis Klein from Human Head Vinyl Records, humanheadnyc.com. That was awesome. Shout out Pizza Boy Brewing, Sporticulture, Vision Comics with an X. Love getting these posted on a Sunday night for you guys. Uh, Emery and I are diving into the DBs tomorrow morning on the College Draft Podcast. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. 
A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 